Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. And it's like the whole last year has not even happened. Mask mandates are back. Travel's a pain in the ass again. My Christmas office party has been canceled. Yay. Christmas is canceled. Woohoo! <laughs> Just like the old days. Just like the old days. Just like a year ago. Thanks, everybody. All right. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> FAA got some follow-up here, is giving uh, Bezos and Branson its last astronaut wings. So initially we heard they were not getting them because, you know, they just basically took a joy flight. But uh, they are going to give them to them. They're going to give it to Bezos, Branson, as well as William Shatner. And then they're going to stop the program completely, and that'll be it for wings. Good, because it seems like every two seconds they're shoving somebody up in the new uh, the new rocket, yeah. the Bezos rocket, the dildo. So – it's <laughs> just like, we're just tired of this. We're not going to give them out anymore. We're going to save them for the real astronauts, yeah. please. Yeah, that'd be nice. So there you go. They get their wings. And Mercedes-Benz kind of got their wings. <laughs> they have approval to drive their quote-unquote autonomous vehicle in Germany. It's a level three. Okay. So-called level three. Ars Technica <laughs> called it a so-called level three. I'm like, ooh, nice dig. Nice right. dig. Now, is it really being given uh, approval uh, to drive if it only functions on pre-map, geofence, closed access highways, <laughs> and only, it only goes top up speeds to 37 of 37, miles an hour. which you know, yeah. gets your ass booted off the Autobahn real fast? So, uh, yeah, not so much. I mean, this is the kind of system in which it will work, a pre-mapped, geofenced, closed access highway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. I, too, have that. I call them Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah. Except mine, mine always jump the track. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a start, I guess. I, I guess. guess. Well, it's the start that we should be doing, not letting people just drive around Arizona, which is what they're doing right now. So, yeah, San this, Francisco. This, this is the way you start. This is this is the yep. way you start. And then you find out that it doesn't work. And you go back to the drawing board. <laughs> I think this will probably be just fine. Yeah, I, I think, think so this will too. be just fine. Uh, but the big difference is like usually on level two, you still have to have your hands on the wheel and eyes on the road. Yeah. With level three, you can literally, you know, do whatever. And it is so, Germany. So they will. Yeah, they probably will. <laughs> so, interesting. It's a, it's interesting that they're at least making moves for it. But this will still 20 years away. Still 20, <laughs> still years, 20 away. years away. I agree. And uh, continuing with the car news, Barrett wrote in, because who doesn't want to have a subscription to their car? Now, up until now, we had heard plans from BMW and high-end luxury mobiles that basically will come – the car will come with everything in it because it's all basically software these days. And then you can pay to unlock features. Well, Toyota said, hold my beer. Uh, they're going to make <laughs> you start your car with your – if you want to start your car with your key fob, you will have to buy a subscription to it. Now – Details are scant on the ground here, and they're obviously getting a lot of pushback immediately. So now I've saw that the the uh, free period that comes with your car will be between three to ten years. So that's obviously them backpedaling very quickly. <laughs> oh, did we say months? We meant years. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> silly intern. We'll see, but they're definitely trying to push this. I mean, you can tell all the car companies are testing the waters here a little bit. What can we get away with? We like these subscription models that the rest of the world has. How are we going to get people to subscribe to our cars? <sighs> yeah, it's called renting them. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, come on, guys. Yeah, Seriously. come on. Like a key fob. Come on. You're going to make us pay to unlock our car with the fog. I love uh, Bittner's uh, tweet about it this morning. He's like, hackers, start your engines. <laughs> In the news. 
I don't know if you were online December 7th, but a lot of people weren't. Uh, Amazon Web Services had a huge outage that knocked big parts of the Internet offline for several hours. Um, let's see. Let's let's read through their explanation here. Uh, Amazon revealed an automated capacity scaling feature led to unexpected behavior from internal network clients. Devices connecting that internal network to AWS were swamped and stalled communications. The nature of the failure prevented teams from pinpointing and fixing the problem, they added. They had to use logs to find out what happened, as do Hopefully all of us. Log for Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and internal tools were also uh, affected. So basically, something went wrong. They fixed it. There was a, some sort of latency issue that prevented network clients from backing off and giving systems a chance to recover. And eventually, they fixed it all back. And then we all went, what the hell, man? How come one thing goes down and all the internet goes down? And that's the way the internet is now. Well, yeah, because, yes, you know, everything is it's called a spoff. Yep. AWS is a spoff. Everybody puts their crap there. And when they go down, and this is the old, old East infrastructure, you know, this mm -hmm. is where they started. Yeah. The one that got, the guy tried to blow up, remember? He thought he could blow it up and take down the internet. Well, it turns out that guy might have been right. <laughs> he might have been right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this was uh, why our show was a day late last week, because I couldn't even get my files from when we did our recording. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I love this one. This was over at uh, Vice. Amazon server outage took down a, quote, decentralized crypto exchange. <laughs> Due to a major AWS outage, Didix Exchange is currently down, Didix said in a tweet on Tuesday. We are experiencing a greater latency across services and impaired functionality with endpoints not working and the website not loading. Now, Brian. Sounds pretty I, centralized. Sounds pretty fucking centralized to me. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, in the old days... We used to be able to mirror our website on different hosting providers. We'd yep. have them in, around the country. You do round robin DNS. If one falls out, you take it out of the thing. You use like what is it, a big five router back in the day or things like that. You could. This is not hard stuff to do to have. But but you know, but, but it involves planning and money and thought. But they're they're they work in money. They're, uh, they're, well. Is it? it, 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 it <laughs> well, I guess maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're a decentralized exchange on on the Ethereum blockchain for cryptocurrency derivatives. So I guess they do kind of work in in the land of fiction. Yes, no yes, they do. <laughs> but they do have backing from Andreessen Horowitz, and you know, Mark Andreessen probably knows how to you know mirror a website. <laughs> Nah, he was sick that day. Maybe not anymore, but <laughs> too, too busy shaving his head and like flogging around in his pools of money. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. It is funny. And uh, I thought this one was funny too. Uh, this was an article at the New Yorker. And I, I, I'm putting this in here for, well, two reasons. One, because I'm just like... <laughs> Let's start here. BuzzFeed employees missed their big payday when the company went public uh, through a SPAC last week. Mm -hmm. Ex-employees who got stock options found that they could not sell their stock options because they were the wrong type. They were Class B uh, shares. They had yep. to be moved to Class A shares before they could trade them. And the company that they hired to do all this, a company called Continental, basically shit the bed. So they were screwed. And I love this. They uh, – this company, uh, Continental, sent them an email saying, you need to print the email that we're sending you, sign it, scan it, and return it. Now, <laughs> so many things wrong with this. First off is uh, one of the former employees' uh, response, which was, obviously, all of us are millennials and none of us have printers. Wow. Okay. That's a Problem crap. number one. <laughs> okay. Listen, you unself-reliant piece of shit. Uh you have to print the email, sign it, scan it, and return it. Have you not heard of signing a PDF? There's DocuSign. Print a PDF 
and you could, yeah, they could have DocuSign. They could have done a million things. Well, DocuSign would have to come from Continental, and then so they screwed the bet on this. But the the process of printing an email, signing, scanning, and returning it, you can fudge that with print PDF, scribble with your finger, and send it back to them. I'm just know? saying, I went through an entire mortgage process without one single physical piece of paper. This is oh yeah, this is ridiculous. It's so, all DocuSign yeah. now, mm-hmm. all DocuSign. But my real problem here is with the New Yorker because. They dropped the ball on the title, man. It should have been 10 amazing jobs for broke-ass former BuzzFeed employees. Good job. Nice. Come on. <laughs> Come on, New Yorker. You're not even trying. Right, right. Uh, let's see. What else has happened? Uh, Twitter has asked the judge to throw out Trump's lawsuit over the ban because, of course, he had to sue like a little baby. Uh, they are, of course, arguing that uh, – that, uh, what did I say? It, it, First Amendment free speech rights and the social network noted it's a private company and it's an obligated to host speech it doesn't like, much like Trump's own social network will do when he launches it. So fuck you, hypocrite. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, more interestingly over at Twitter is uh, Spaces. We've talked about Spaces a little bit. It was the knee-jerk reaction to uh, what, the, what the hell Clubhouse. is that? Clubhouse, which is, I guess, still around somewhere. Dead so, in the water. Pretty much dead. <laughs> uh, but they basically rushed it, and the people inside Twitter knew that Spaces could be misused due to a lack of moderation because, well, that's also, I just say, the internet, the internet. can be used due <laughs> yeah, to a internet. lack of moderation because there is no moderation anywhere. And uh, it has happened. So there's been a lot of bullying on that. There's going to be, you know, this Taliban have been recruiting on it, blah, blah, blah. Exactly what's going to happen everywhere. And of course, you know, they talk about, um, you know, at least they never said AI in this article. I would have freaking lost my mind. (laughs) They talked about the machine learning algorithms that they're using for moderation, which can be bypassed by simply misspelling words. Yeah. Yeah, come on. How about that's you put why, those that's why we in. have leet speak. Yeah. We got leet speak for that. Come on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, there's a lot of concern, and out of that will come absolutely nothing. Does anybody even use spaces? Kara Swisher does. Oh, does anybody really even use spaces? <laughs> I have to unfollow her on Twitter because I'm sick of seeing that thing take up one third of the real estate on my phone every time she starts another stupid live space. Uh, Brad, I was thinking this morning, uh, an old joke came to me. How do you know somebody's vegan? Uh, they're going to tell you. <laughs> They're going to tell you. Moby will write an album about it. I, hey, I bought Moby's vegan cookbook, so it's pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, and how do you know somebody's into NFTs? They will absolutely tell you how to re- rechange your brain to uh, to come to their worldview. Uh, it's just one of those things. I got a couple of NFT stories that are okay. pretty funny here. Right. The Bored Ape Yacht Club mm-hmm. is one of the big ones out there. Yep, uh, It's like second next only to CryptoPunks. Well, some dude, uh, probably drinking, named Max, sold one of his uh, bored apes for 0.75 ETH, mm-hmm. which, you know, isn't very much money. It's about $3,000. Uh, it should have been 75 ETH, which would have been $300,000-ish. Um, and he just he comes out and says, you know, I screwed up. So uh, here, here's my BuzzFeed title, Fat Finger Foibles Fuck Financial Future. <laughs> I get stuck in the BuzzFeed title loop for a Apparently. second there. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess OpenSea doesn't actually have a, would you, a a confirmation screen? Yeah. You know? Confirmation screen, probably a good idea for these things. Like, yeah, they should have it on purchase too. Do you really want to spend this much money on something fucking stupid? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, please blow into this tube to tell me (laughs) if you're sober enough to buy this NFT. Uh, the, the thing about this though, okay. People screw up all the time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was just amazed at how much the transaction fee was. 
Well, so the, these are the so people really making the money. Two thousand or three thousand dollars for a GIF. <laughs> Wrap your head around that for a second. Three thousand dollars for a GIF. Mm-hmm. There was supposed to be three hundred thousand dollars for a GIF. Mm-hmm. Um, the transaction fee was over thirty thousand dollars, so the guy could jump the queue and get his transaction done, or a bot is a bot that did it. Right. Um, so I I'm like. Okay, so if I went to the store and I bought a $50 poster, mm-hmm. but I had to spend $5,000 on shipping, <laughs> how does that really work out? <laughs> well, I, I just, once you're already in fantasy land, you're on for the ride, right? <laughs> you are in for the ride. GM, bitches. GM. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so <laughs> it's just, it, it is what it is. Now, the next one, uh, Nike buys... Ertifrikater, a virtual brand that makes metaverse-ready sneakers. Now, mm-hmm. this is R-T-F-K-T. Mm-hmm. They pronounce it artifact, but when I read it, I just read rat fucked. <laughs> I just see rat fucked. So Nike just bought rat fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problem I'm having with all this NFT crap is it's all the same thing. There's no, There's a complete lack of imagination. And I'm like, okay. I can create any kind of avatar I want in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Do I really want something that needs... Air Jordans or shoes? I want to be like this 17 armed Hydra with, you know, cloven hooves and maybe I'll get my cloven hooves with Jordans on them. I don't know. But this lack of imagination with all this crap is just like, whatever. It's a really smart move on Nike's part. I I get why they did it. I totally understand it. And it's probably the only smart news in NFT that we've we've had since NFTs have been around. They're they're positioning themselves for the metaverse. They're positioning themselves for being able to sell their Nikes in virtual environments in the future when when people actually get legs. Because so far, I've yet to see a leg on anybody in the metaverse. (laughs) That's true. Nobody has feet in the metaverse. Uh, the interesting thing, I couldn't tell from this article because it was so poorly written over at Design Boom. Um, the brand already holds a patent for blockchain, blockchain-enabled blockchain digital shoes filed in 2019. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if that was Nike or Ratfucked. I, it's got, I'm guessing Well, if they're Nike. saying brand, it's got to be Nike, right? I'm guessing Nike. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so, so that's fine. They're just, you know, getting a whole so – they're, they're, they're buying a company that just will design them and market them for them. That's fine. Yeah, Design Studio is basically yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, so. – yeah, rat fucked. <laughs> I'll never be able to see that without thinking that from now on. It definitely well, like seen... artifact does not leap to mind. You got to start that thing with an A then. If you want if you yeah, want us to seriously. think artifact, you need to start your acronym with an actual A. <laughs> oh god. And OpenSea has actually uh started working with Adobe to provide some digital provenance for their nifties. Okay, that's smart. Um, it is very smart, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very, very smart. So they're going to call it content credentials. So you can connect your crypto wallet to Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you export the uh, the graphics, it can, it can come back to your wallet and you can actually have a chain of ownership and things like that. Now, no. what I want to know, Brian, is <laughs> after you link your crypto wallet to your copy of Photoshop, can Adobe actually go into your wallet and extract the licensing fees for the cracked copy of Photoshop you're using? Yes, yeah, because- so we need to see the chain of ownership of my version of Adobe Photoshop. Exactly, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of these kids are not up to snuff with their Creative Suite licenses. I'm just saying, I was a kid once. I have uh, I've I, had I, my fair share of cracked. I Photoshop's. spent the first 15 years of my life using Photoshop on cracked versions. So, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So I think this is you know maybe just a play by Adobe to get people to pony up for Creative Suite. 
That'd be a good one. All right. Uh, Mateus wrote in here, I just need to hear your thoughts on this piece. And this uh, Facebook exec blames society for COVID misinformation. Longtime Facebook <laughs> veteran Andrew Bosworth insists that political and COVID-19 misinformation are societal problems rather than issues that have been magnified by social networks. Individual humans are the ones who choose to believe or not to believe a thing. They are the ones who choose to share or not share a thing, he said in an interview with Axios on HBO. I wonder what tools they're using to share or not share those things. <laughs> In his next sentence, did he say, and I have an NFT to sell you? <laughs> yep. And he says, I don't feel comfortable at all saying they don't have a voice because I don't like what they said. Now, he's been leading Facebook's hardware efforts, including those in virtual and augmented reality, and he will become the CTO for Meta next year. So that's great. And he he goes on. That's their choice. They are allowed to do that. You have an issue with those people. You don't have an issue with Facebook. You can't put that on me. Sounds a bit defensive there. Pressed on whether Facebook and others are amplifying those views, Bosworth characterized it as a demand problem rather than one caused by the amount of misinformation on social media. Yes, it is the problem of people because they want to believe stupid ass shit. That must be it. Thanks, Bosworth. It's not your problem at all. No, he's he's creating the virtual unreality. Yes. It's like this is it's unreal with yeah. pe- what's coming out of people's mouths nowadays. It, it really is. They're just it's it's insane. It's insane. I, you know, it, OK, now, let's keep in mind that these are the same people that own Instagram, which has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to really, really, really fuck with young girls uh, mentality and emotions and their their mental well-being. But you know what? It's their fault because they want to be there. Yep. Yep. Their yep. fault. It's all their fault. It's their fault. So we might be getting some help with this sort of thing, but I doubt it. A Senate bill that would facil- facilitate social platform sharing data with outside researchers is being uh, floated right now, which I think is a great idea. This is, of course, coming from Klobuchar, Coons, and Portman, and it proposes to use the National Science Foundation as the intermediary between sensitive platform information and requests for interested parties. I think this is a great idea. That's exactly what the National Science Foundation should be used for. Fantastic. Thoughts, Jason? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Not really? the thing. No, because, I mean, you're going to have to have somebody inside the companies that actually will guarantee that the data that they're getting is the actual true data. You need kind of like, uh, you know, some kind of compliance officer inside of these social networks to have access to everything. Are you saying there should be regulation, Jason? It's getting – well, there's – it's not even regulation – you can regulate, so if they're found guilty of it, you can do it. But mm-hmm. to get real information, you need somebody inside that is going to say, "Hey, this is not true," or you know, you're gonna have to. It's either whistleblowers or you know, people inside the company who are compliance officers. Mm-hmm. I don't see the compliance officers thing happening because that's pretty fucking heavy-handed dystopian right there. Yeah. So I think that it's going to be. They can make these rules all they want, but there's nobody that's going to be able to you know, really enforce them unless they have whistleblowers or people on the end. I just don't see it actually doing anything. Yeah, it's, I it's don't more, either. It's, it's, more, it. it's more masturbation from the, the Senate. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, unless they're, unless the yeah, unless the mall, unless the money and the balls are there to enforce it, nothing's going to happen anyways. But it is a nice thought. Yeah, it is a nice thought. There's a lot of thoughts that are nice. <laughs> that just, oh, man. Yeah. So uh, I found this one about, uh, oh, God, Thea Mai Bauman an Australian artist and technologist who uh, had the handle Metaverse on Instagram, which was taken away shortly after the company changed their name to Meta. Now, okay, she bitched and moaned about it. Nothing happened. Couldn't get her name back. Mm -hmm. Story as old as time. She only had a thousand followers. Right. So whatever. Uh, 
And then she complained enough where the New York Times stepped in and made a phone call. Yep. And then immediately her handle was returned to her with an apology. Uh, it was incorrectly removed for impersonation. We're sorry this ever occurred, said uh, an Instagram spokesperson. Meaning we're so, sorry we didn't get away with it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So here's what I here's here's what I propose. This is a new side hustle for New York Times and major publication reporters. What they're going to do is they're going to find people who's been who've been screwed by social media companies and hire the reporters to call and say, hey, we're going to do a story <laughs> on this. Would you please make a comment on it? Then they get it reversed and then they can pull the story and then people go about their merry way and they you know, pay the <laughs> reporters to make the phone calls. That's the only way anything gets done anymore is if you get a major news publication to actually call somebody. Yeah, you used to be able to just publicly shame them on Twitter, but that doesn't even that's not even enough anymore. No, it stopped working. Yep. That totally stopped working. <laughs> so, I don't know how to get past it. I don't know how to get past it, but yeah. uh yeah, it's same shit different day. And and you know what, they were well within their rights to do that. If they wanted the name, they can take it. I've worked at enough companies that had username policies that, you know, if something came up and we needed the name, we took it. Yeah. That's just how it goes. We'll give you another name and we'll transfer all of your followers and all of your whatever. Fine. But if we need that name, we're taking that name. There's nothing you can do about it because it, we thought about it ahead of time and put it in our terms of service. And I bet if you read the terms of service for Instagram, it's probably in there too. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Now, this next one I thought was interesting. Uh, the end of click to subscribe, call to cancel. One of the news industry's favorite retention taxes, tactics is illegal, says the Federal Trade Commission. This comes from uh, Neiman Labs. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a scam as old as the internet. Mm -hmm. It's basically you sign up for something and the only way to cancel is to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. They're saying now that the FTC is going to crack down on this, which as we just talked about, there's no internet police. Nobody is there to to go in the in the car and put people in the paddy wagon when they do this. Yeah. Now, is this just going to go after uh, online companies that are doing it? Or does this also point, yeah. go after Sirius XM, those rat bastards? Uh, that I don't know. Because, I mean, Sirius XM, you get the, uh, the free deal with your car usually. That's how I get all of mine. Mm -hmm. All my Sirius XM uh, accounts have all come free with my car. You get it for six months and then you do whatever. But mm -hmm. uh, if you have to re-up on the – if you re-up online, you should be able to cancel online. You are That's not. the rule. You always That's... have to call. So. Okay. Well, you know, uh, they are in breach of California law because California in 2018 passed a law required that online businesses allow people to cancel their subscriptions online. Mm -hmm. So it could be said that SiriusXM is not an online company mm -hmm. because, because most of their uh, work doesn't happen that way. But the New York Times uh, got caught by doing this. So they they actually changed their tactics a little bit, only for digital subscriptions, though. Yeah. So if you're a digital subscriber, whatever. But if you like subscribe to other services, you still have to call. And this is how I got my you know my New York Times for cheap. Yep. That I talked about a couple episodes ago because mm -hmm. I had to do it. And their workaround also is uh, they'll use online chat as a proxy for actually making a phone call now because you're still on the on the website. Yes. I guess. Mm -hmm. So they're faking it, but. You know, in the old days, this was how a lot of smarmy companies made money. Yep. Because I worked in the the uh, porn website business for quite some time, and this is a this is a quick story about a company that I had friends work at. It was not a company that I worked at. Mm -hmm. uh, the company was called Babenet, I believe was the name of it. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was Babenet. But uh, they had really questionable websites with, uh, uh, say, young women and farm animals. 
and under and another site for underage girls. Right. And it was all suggestive. You go to the website, it's very suggestive. And they're like, oh, our content is so extreme. We can't actually show you the good stuff. You have to pay and subscribe to get to the meat, you know, as it were. So people would put in their credit cards, then start to get billed. And then they would go to the website and, and figure out that, oh, wait, everything that they're showing me is exactly what they were showing me on the outside. And these girls are 30 years old and these other girls are not having sex with farm animals. <laughs> so people would call up in a huff and say, hey, cancel my account. This is false advertising. The people on the other end, the, the, the phone operators, were basically trained to tell these people, hey, when we put in this request to the credit card companies, we have to put a reason in with our cancellation, which, I, which I'm pretty sure is total bullshit. But they would say to them, so your reason for canceling your account is that the women were not actually having physical sex with the farm animals. Is that what you would <laughs> like me to put in your record, sir? Yeah. Click. Except for like maybe 1% that would be like, yeah, you assholes, cancel my subscription. I don't care, you know. But uh, for the most part, that's how these, these companies made money for a very long time. And both parties here are at fault. Let's just be absolutely clear about this. This is the scammy vert, like you scam the scammers. Scamming the scammers, the scammers you know? yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's no, there's no tears shed there. But it's, this is the kind of practice that, you know, the click to subscribe, call to cancel thing is, can, can go down deep into. So we'll see if the FTC actually does anything about this. But I'm guessing they're only going to go after big players, like yeah. big media companies or anything like that. They're not going to go after the mom and pop shops that are skeezy and do things like this. Nope. So there we go. There you go. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, and it's time to fuel up with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor Fresh's never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day that you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Step into a world of endless culinary delight with over 35 enticing meal options and over 60 tantalizing add-ons refreshed weekly. This May, supercharge your wellness journey with dietitian approved dishes built on ingredients you can count on. Treat your taste buds every day from sunrise to sunset with effortless nutritious choices, spanning from energizing breakfasts to delectable desserts. Indulge in the luxury of restaurant-caliber meals right at home. Savor the sophistication of filet mignon, the freshness of shrimp, and the bold flavors of blackened salmon. Simplify your life with Factor Meals, ready in just two minutes. Say goodbye to grocery runs, tedious prep, and cleanup. I love these things. I can't even tell you what I had this week because I had so many of them. But that's the great thing about Factor. Every week you have new options, and they're delicious. And you can tailor your eating experience with six specialized menu options. Whether you're looking to cut calories, boost protein, go meat-free, or maintain a well-rounded diet, they make it easy to support your lifestyle goals. Tune in to taste, convenience, and wellness with every bite. Head to factormeals.com grumpy50 and use code grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code grumpy50 at factormeals.com grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
Everyone needs a world-class VPN. Grumpy Old Geeks recommends private internet access to protect your online privacy and identity. Private internet access never keeps any records of their users' online activities, so you can be assured that you have complete privacy and nobody knows what you're doing online. No matter your technical skills, private internet access is one of the easiest VPN apps out there. All it takes to connect is just one click or tap and your data will be encrypted instantly. With just one private internet access VPN subscription, you can connect up to 10 devices at the same time. Go to GOG.show slash VPN and sign up today. For a limited time only, you can get our favorite VPN for just $2.69 a month when you sign up for two years. GOG.show slash VPN. That's GOG.show slash VPN. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Candy. All right, Brian, I saw something uh, you might like this week. The mm-hmm. Mr. A and the Mr. M, the story of A&M Records. Oh, so one, of the, Epics. one of the first websites I ever did over at uh, Boxtop, the company we worked uh, at together. I did the A&M that's right. Records website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember when I moved here, too. Uh, that's when the studio was still owned by A&M. Mm-hmm. Now it's owned by the, the Henson Company. So that's right. They replaced the A&M sign with Kermit the Frog. Yes, and I've been to that studio many times in both versions. I like the Kermit oh, the Frog never, one. I've never gotten to go in. I it's always nice. wanted to go in. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, used to be the Chaplin Studios. That mm-hmm. was the original yep. original home. Uh, anyway, back to it. Uh, it's really good. I saw the first episode. Second episode dropped yesterday, which I haven't watched yet. But uh, yeah, it's over on Epics. If you want to know about the history of A&M, it's a pretty good watch. It's yeah. pretty fast paced and interesting. Excellent. Very interesting. Excellent. I definitely want to watch that. I think it, uh, I think. You know, it'd be really interesting. I love, I love all the old record record label stories. They're fantastic. Yep, yep. And uh, the Expanse season six is out for its final six episode run. Yep. Uh, first episode dropped. What did you think, Brian? Eh, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. I, I, I missed the old Expanse. I, I, I don't care about Marco. I don't care about their son. I don't care about most of the stories that are being focused on. Um, you know, whatever fine i'll see it through because it's only five more episodes but uh yeah i'm my my response to when it finished when i'm like well that was strange <laughs> it just didn't it didn't feel like the expanse it no you know? it didn't it they just stood around talking uh, well there was there was a there was an eva to a asteroid for a minute uh, for a hot second it. yes yeah <laughs> so 
what yeah. you got? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so The Witcher is apparently out. Um, I guess it's out in the States. It's not out here. And for whatever reason, my VPN is not working with Netflix right now. So I'm very frustrated. So I haven't no. been able to watch it yet. But, uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, I did watch the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. And? And I didn't think I could get more annoyed by the show. Uh, especially, you know, now that everybody's been kind of pointing out the things that we've been pointing out all along, it's like reinforcing in my brain that these people are useless and all they talk about is their feelings and Captain Kirk would, wouldn't even let, let them work in the scullery on his ship. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't even be a cook. No way. No way. Uh, in the latest episode, uh, spoiler alert. So skip ahead. If you don't want to hear this part, it's, it's I'm not that plot freaking matters on the show or anything uh tilly takes uh, some ensigns out on a training cruise bad stuff happens one of the ensigns dies immediately and is never mentioned again and it's all about their feelings about everything not the poor guy that died i spent the entire episode <laughs> at, at the end of the episode they're laughing about about the the growth that tilly has experienced uh going through this whole thing and i'm like what about the dead fucker you haven't mentioned the dead guy once he died he died right away, and this is about your feelings. Well, you didn't you didn't notice the name tag. It was Ensign McGuffin. I was I mean the red shirts got treated better at Enterprise. I swear <laughs> to God. It's, it's uh, the show is so bad. I just can't I can't anymore. Uh anyways. No, I, I gave up halfway through episode two. I just I seriously I cannot watch it. It just puts me in a really bad mood. Yeah, and like everybody on the ship is is stressed out and in a bad mood right now. So it's like group therapy is coming. Oh. I'm like, you people this is the future of the Federation. You guys are wussies. No shit. That's unbelievable. Let's go to that mirror universe where Michelle Yeoh is like badass. Yeah. Anyways, the show's bad. Speaking of red shirts, though, I, the FC Bayern Behind the Legend documentary is now out on Amazon, and Bayern is Bayern Munich is my team. It was my dad's team, and uh, it was just a the whole series that they've done of these with all these soccer teams has been fantastic. I've enjoyed all of the different shows, even for teams that I don't particularly like or care about. But since this is my team, it was awesome. I, I absolutely loved it, and it went back through the history, and I saw. You know, they showed clips from all these fantastic games that I just remember being like six years old and being with my dad and my uncle while they watched that live. And it was just great for all that. Total nostalgia trip. Loved it. If you're a soccer fan, check it out. Very cool. Very cool. I, uh, this isn't, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I have to collect my thoughts on this one because this is very much like discovery for me right now. Mm hmm. Uh, I love Dan Carlin. I love hardcore history. And for the most part, hardcore history addendum is pretty good. Sometimes. sometimes See, I've done quality sucks. I've done a but... Star Trek discovery with hardcore history addendum. I, I just don't listen to him anymore. I unsubscribe from the addendum feed. I don't care. That I should have done that. <laughs> I really should have done that because this latest one is with Elon Musk and this guy, Bill Riley from SpaceX. Um. I have a really hard time listening to Elon talk. He, yeah. He physically bothers me to the point where my shoulders seize up and I kind of get ants under my skin. I'm not joking. Yeah. Like his, his cadence and his delivery really physically irks the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I particularly enjoy his new haircut. Oh, what the hell's up with that? <laughs> Man, he's like him and Zuckerberg probably go to the same blind stylist. Right. Jesus. Um, yeah, I, I got 30 seconds into it and I had to turn it off. So I don't know if it's any good or not. I didn't find a transcript, so I couldn't read it. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I was really bummed about that because yeah. I kind of wanted to hear it. But 
Yeah. I just I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that. If anybody else out there has, you know, Elon Muskitis, let me know because there's something there's something wrong with it. I, I don't know if it's like his robot voc- vocalizer chip has broken or something, but <laughs> it's really weird. He's like it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like Captain Kirk speak meets. I I don't know. I See, don't know. I, just, I can't he, even remember hearing him speak. I've gone uh, as the web has gotten. You know, we're contrarians at nature, of course. Obviously, uh, that's why we do this podcast. But as the web has gotten more and more video centric, I've refused to watch any videos on the internet. I just don't hardly ever like. If there's a news story, I want to read it. If there's a video, I want to read the transcript. I, I like to read things on the internet now, so I don't even know if I could. I'm sure I've heard Elon Musk's voice at some point. You didn't watch the Saturday Night Live? Nah. Oh. Nah. Nope. Yeah. I, it, it's funny. When I'm watching him, it it doesn't happen. But when I'm listen, if I'm listening to him, like in, just in pure audio, like the Kara Swisher interview he did with him. Right. Not just because Kara Swisher is a terrible interviewer, uh, but Elon was speaking and the whole thing was just – it was just a – you know – a confluence of fuck this. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> a confluence of fuck this. Yeah. That should be our new show title. Not just the episode <laughs> title. We should rebrand that should ourselves. Be our new show title. <laughs> That's it. Oh my god. Anyway, moving on. I uh, this just 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 dropped. It's a new trailer for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. It's a new Michelle Yeoh movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got multiverse and kung fu. Okay. And it looks awesome. What's Jenny Slate doing in there? Of all people. I, I love Jenny Slate, but that seems an odd cast. All right. Dude, yeah. You got to watch the trailer. It is like – I because it, it starts off completely different than it ends up. It's, okay. it's very Matrixy. Cool. It is very, very Matrixy in uh, how it goes. So, um, yeah, I, I am really looking forward to this. Unfortunately, we have to wait till March 25th next year. So. All right. Okay. Well, I'll watch the trailer. But, uh, yeah, that's an intriguing cast. I'm very curious. Oh, Jamie Lee funny. Curtis too. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. It's okay. really funny. Cool. <laughs> so, ah, can't wait. Ups and doodads. Brian, you're a homeowner now. I am. Yeah, you got to you got to buy some homeownery stuff every now and again. I've got a garage full of it. Yep. Yep. I just bought the Victor M nine O one two Sonic two Spike Yellow. Okay. I bought this because I uh, I just spent a lot of money redoing the grass in my front yard, so it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And immediately, groundhogs destroyed it. <laughs> so fuckers. <laughs> so uh, there there are a couple ways to combat groundhogs, and one way is to put uh, dog poop down the holes and cover it up. Right. Uh, that that is a tried and true method. But there are so many holes, and I only have so many poops during the day. <laughs> it's getting a little crazy. Uh, one of the side effects, also though, is uh, toxic mushrooms can come up. It's it's a, it's a whole thing that you got to deal with when you got the groundhogs. Okay. So the spikes vibrate. So you put them in the ground, and the spikes zzz and vibrate, and supposed to scare them off. Does it call Sound- the worms? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering too. I'm like, can I get some spice? <laughs> So, I mean, I don't, you were worried about your lawn. Now your entire house is going to be gone. That worm's just going to show up. And... Oh, where's where's my still suit? Shit. <laughs> we do live in a desert. <laughs> so, yeah, if anybody else has uh, any groundhog tips, please send them to me. I will not do the poison. I will not kill them. But I'll I take just raccoon tips. That's That's what I've got issues with. Oh, you've got those. I'm, I'm in raccoon I'm land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, those, little, those guys are bastards. They are. Oh man, and uh, this one, uh, this 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 definitely falls under app. This is the 
<laughs> this is the Sarco. This is the suicide pod that's uh, they got the go ahead in Switzerland for for actual use. We finally um, found something that can't have a subscription model. <laughs> But it does have a terms of service before you, because before you kill yourself, you have to do a test online to tell if you're of mental, if you're of sound mental judgment. Well, that, that's probably a good thing. Why does it have to be online? Why do I, the last thing that I want to do before I die is look at a fucking web browser. It's what I did my whole life. Come on. Can can you just have somebody come with it and actually administer a test that, you know, maybe like in some kind of cool outfit or something to make it seem like it's got a little more gravitas than just a fucking BuzzFeed form, please? By, by the way, this thing better have voice activation. If I can't walk up to it in my last moment and say, open the pod babe door, pal, <laughs> I I want my fucking money back. <laughs> I know. I know. I love I love the name of the company. It's Exit International. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, it should have been exit stage left, but I loved it. Bruce Sterling called it the Dipod. That's a great name. Great name. <laughs> and since it's called uh, the Sarco, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, Sarco, Sarco, Sarco. Um, and I just, I was talking to somebody about the movie Argo the other day and that whole line about Argo, fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> if you walked up to it, instead of, instead of saying, open the pod bay doors, you could say, Sarco, fuck yourself. It just kills you. <laughs> Good but, stuff. Yeah. No oh, man. Uh and uh in this weekend, what the fuck did I buy at two AM? <laughs> I I seriously don't remember buying this thing and it showed up yesterday. This is the Arduino Uno mini limited edition. Okay, another thing that you're gonna put in a corner and not use. Oh yeah, whoever wants it, just come on by. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. This is getting given away. I, I, I got right. it. It's uh it's a very mini version of the regular Arduino. It's black and gold and signed, or there's a signed letter from the founders in it. Um <laughs> like I give a flying fuck about this thing. Why why would I buy an Arduino Uno mini? Right. I I, I had an Arduino, I gave it away. <laughs> Uh, but, hey, but it is sold out, so maybe uh, maybe I can turn it into an NFT and eBay it or whatever the fuck <laughs> the kids do nowadays. Whatever. Security? Ha! Dave Bittner is back. Dave is the host of the Cyberware podcast, co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy and surveillance and privacy. And finally, he's the co-host of Recorded Future, where he takes you inside the world of cyber threat intelligence. I guess you are also the co-host of the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, but... I suppose. A yeah, contributor, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't co-host the whole show, but uh, yeah, proud, proud to be here in our little bubble. You have co-hosted the whole show before with me. That's true. So, That's yes. true. It was great fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been here for what? Like five years now? It's been like five years. Five or yeah. six. Feels yeah. like 15. Yeah. Something like yes, that. It does. <laughs> yes, it doesn't, does. doesn't feel a day more than 20. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, before we jump into uh, cybersecurity news, and let me just say it has been a busy week for cybersecurity, <laughs> as we will get to in a second. Uh, we must uh, attend to more important things, which is, of course, Star Wars related and Disney related. Uh, that the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is the new hotel that uh, they built down at the Florida Park, mm -hmm. uh, is just getting hammered with bad reactions to a couple of videos that they put out. And I'm, I'm curious if either of you have been following any of this or this has been on your radar at all. Brian, I know you're a more probably more of a Disney fan than Jason is. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I'm aware that this thing exists. Uh, I look, I took one look at the price tag for this day and kind of went, yeah, I'll wait. Um, <laughs> also, you know, I'm not going anywhere near Florida until we're <laughs> a pandemic is a good five years in the rearview mirror because if it's going to re mm-hmm. reemerge anywhere, it will come out of that swamp. Um, so I won't be going there anytime soon. I watched both the videos and I, I, I'm curious what exactly they are taking heat for. This is, Kind of what I would have expected. Yeah. Um, well, the videos, and, and there, there's two videos. One of them is a sort of a walkthrough of some of the things you can expect as part of your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's with, um, oh, the young young man who's not so young anymore, who's the co-star of The Goldbergs on ABC. Well, no wonder um, I thought he was familiar. There was something about him. I, I, I yep. did, did not watch the show. so But uh, <laughs> but there's the synergy that you get from Disney Empire, bringing somebody from there one of their- There you go. There yes. you go. <laughs> so they do their thing, and they go around, and they see some things and they go to a bar and there's someone singing and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also a welcome video that people received from someone who is from an alien species. This is for the people who've signed up for their rooms already. Yes, felt very um, Star tours think- Yeah. Yes, people mm-hmm. are reacting and and saying that they're kind of cringy, that um, particularly that the ship doesn't really look very Star Wars, that the ship looks more kind of Star Trekky and maybe Fifth Element, but not getting a real strong Star Wars vibe in the ship itself. And and also I think people are wondering like, what the hell do I get for my six grand for two days? You the- stay in a themed hotel, which is all it was ever going to be, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting. I, an immersive environment that is, you know, going to be like whatever. It's It's a hotel. What are they going to do? They're going to slap some stickers on the walls. And they'll, they'll dry uh, ice in your cocktail. The waiter, the waiters are going to wear funky outfits that kind of look vaguely 70s esque, but futuristic at the same time because glitter. And there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You'll be able to order Bantha burgers in the bar. Yeah. The, there will be themed names on stuff. And, I, I, you know, the buttons in the elevator might be triangular shaped. Just, you know, woo, mm-hmm. look at that. Uh, what, I don't know. I don't know what people were expecting. It, it looked fine well, to me. I think I think when you compare it to what Universal has been doing with their Harry Potter stuff and particularly how they hit it out of the park with Diagon Alley, how immersive it is and it just you I mean you go in Diagon Alley it feels like you're in the Harry Potter universe. They but but really so does the Star Wars land in the park which is, you know, built for people to just walk through and experience, not live in. There's a big right. difference, you know what I mean? Right. Like right. how how Star Wars esque are the maid services going to be? They've got to change the sheets. <laughs> that's a, re- yeah. it's a really good question, <laughs> right? Does a, does R two D two come along and change your sheets for you? Now, that would be yeah. that would be something. Well, I mean, if you pay extra, you can get like Jedi Leia to come in, you know, in her gold bikini. Right. I, I do hope mm. that I, all the masseuses in the spa are wearing that outfit. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you book the Leia and you get the Jabba. That's the way it works. <laughs> so it is Florida after all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was asking uh, my son Jack about this because this is the kind of thing where we we talked about it as a family because we're all very into Star Wars, very into Disney. We we have not been to Disney World in a long time, which is a regular place for us to go for vacations, Mm -hmm. obviously because of COVID, uh, all those things that you already outlined there, Brian. But, um, you know, we could stretch and make this work if we saved our pennies and really, really wanted it. 
we could do this. GOG.show slash donate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but like my son Jack said, he was like, I don't know, Dad, two days for $6,000. I feel guilty for taking a nap. <laughs> but that but that's true. part of the that experience. That's your Star Wars bed. That's I guess again so. like going to my point of how immersive can a hotel actually be? You know, yeah. I, I remember we went to Disney World when I was a kid. My parents took me and my sister, and I was probably ten or eleven or something like that. And and mm-hmm. we stayed in the the Woodland theme one, which I thought was just genius. It was it was the cheap one. It was the cheapest. Mm-hmm. It was basically log yep. cabins, right? But you know, they had Chip and Dale run through and do a little song and dance show at night around a fire pit. And you could, of course, probably – actually, I should ask my mom. I'm sure they didn't hand out s'mores. You probably had to pay for them so you could put them together. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, And it was a wonderful, cool thing and, and not anything more than you would expect. Like, it's a, it's a hotel. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. Again, yeah. like, you can, there's only so interactive you can make it. Also, Mm -hmm. you got to keep in mind, not only are people living in it, it's going to be a lot of kids. Kids like to grab and break and hit things. So you can't have anything too, you know, breakable out there because the kids are just going to destroy it. Uh, It's a money pit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I guess it's going to be interesting to see how the reviews come after the first few weeks when when folks are actually visiting there. They they are saying that they've seen some people dropping off their – there are slots available where it was sold out for the first right. three months. Now that people actually have to pay the balance on their on their deposits, that there are th- some uh, slots opening up. So we'll see. I don't I, know. I, I guess I think you're absolutely right, Brian, that this may just be a matter of um, properly setting – properly calibrating your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I think so. And I, if, if it were me, I would just stay at one of the other wonderful hotels that they have that are significantly cheaper and do a walkthrough. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think you'd get all the experience uh, that you would want to get just by wandering through the hotel once or twice and go bellying up to the bar. Question: Are, yeah. are you allowed you? in the hotel? Yeah, yeah. if you're not a guest yeah. there, are you allowed in? That's a good point. They do do that. Uh, sort yeah, of if thing I'm paying six grand, I'm like keep the riffraff out, people. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. you're trapped inside with the riffraff. But uh, you know. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you can go into the lobby, but because it has, it's it's supposed to have this whole experience where you know you don't just get in an elevator to go to your room. It's this whole thing where it's as if you're going up into orbit to get, so then it, get to your room. It's an elevator with so. blinky lights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It's a Wonka Vader. Yeah, a Wonka Vader. Now, a Willy Wonka hotel I'd go stay at, that's for sure. Is there a yeah. Sarlacc pit for people who don't pay their uh, bar tabs? Are you, oh, that's oh, a great man. idea. If there was a Sarlacc pit, my kid would want to go so bad. That's like his favorite That'd be character. a great name for the bar. They should the name Sarlacc the bar pits. the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so good. Actually, that's the hot tub, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Yes>. oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, they better have a cocktail called uh, Han Shot First. So that would oh, be good. No, nice. that's not canon nice. anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I never made it to the Star Trek bar in Vegas, but they had the that was awesome. I, yeah, that was awesome. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. I, I was so disappointed when they took it away. And uh, yes, I did have the warp core breach. Uh, boy, were we fucked up that day. <laughs> yeah what really sucks is my entire team at paramount like did all the design and graphics for that but mm-hmm. it's like they had just finished up when i got there and they were going like two weeks after i joined the team right so then i wasn't invited because it was like all pre-launch stuff to to figure it out and they just raved about it and i never got to go yeah the star trek yeah. experience was a staple of my vegas runs 
when it was around. Mm. It was one of my favorite yeah, things to do. Yeah, and I think that's a great example of something that was really immersive and paid off well. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole initial transition where they put you inside the ship and it felt like you were inside the ship. I mean, yep. for a Star Trek fan, oh, so and good. Quark's Bar for a twenty-one year, newly 21-year-old Star Trek fan, you cannot beat that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Now they have the the Star Trek Discovery experience where you all just sit around and cry. <laughs> oh, well, we'll circle back to that when we get to Media Candy because I watched the latest episode and I, I I almost had as much of a bad reaction as the finale of Battlestar Galactica. I was so oh, pissed. God. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, oh my. I might have to watch it now. Ugh, so bad. Okay, let's well, get to security. Shall we do some security? Yeah. Why not? Right. Ten minutes in. Let's get this show on the So uh, <laughs> someone briefly compromised the Indian Prime Minister's Twitter account, which normally we would just go, eh, Twitter, who cares? But unfortunately, people do care these days and it is a world leader. Unfortunately, sadly, it, it, was, it wasn't for anything that I consider particularly interesting, like geopolitics and messing about with all that sort of thing. It was a freaking Bitcoin scam. They basically <laughs> hacked in there to say that uh, India had adopted Bitcoin as legal tender and pointed users to a scam website. And obviously that made Bitcoin go up a little bit because people believed it and all that sort of stuff. And somebody probably pumped and dumped and made some money. So good on them. Yay. <laughs> Nobody knows yeah. how this happened. So, yeah, I, I think there's a little perhaps intrigue here that um, India also is is a bit hostile to cryptocurrencies, yes. and yes. Um, they've been down. They've been going down a path of trying to have their own their own one only cryptocurrency for the nation. So. Mm-hmm. This was sort of piling onto that as well, and um, I think something kind of thumbing its nose at that. Yeah, so, so basically the bit bros got to them. Yep. Yep. And uh, of course, you know, Twitter is supposed to have these special account protections in place for these high-profile politicians' profiles and things of that nature, but it didn't uh, really seem to work, so... Mm-hmm. Well, you got to turn it on to make it actually do something. So <laughs> they offer it to you. That doesn't mean you have to do it. Jack accidentally hit the off button on his way out the office. I think is what happened there. Well, so. and, but it's, the, it's that age old problem with executives who you're going to be the person who tells them what to do. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. like if they say this, this multifactor is a pain in the ass, turn it off. You know, how, <laughs> how many times are you going to say no, sir, before they replace you? Yeah. No, exactly. I I had that experience working just with musicians, like especially when Twitter first came out. And I was just like, you Mm. cannot have access to your own Twitter. Well, he's also my boss. So if he says he wants access to his own Twitter, I can just say, I really don't think you should do that, particularly after 17 gin and tonics. But he's the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. So the library problem, the log four shell that has happened everywhere, log four J, which was a big deal. I'll let you take it away, Dave, because I know this is a very big deal. Uh, It's yeah, it's a biggie. It's uh, one of the biggest. Um, It's huge. uh, (laughs) It is huge. (laughs) So this log for log for J is a. Uh, logging library. So, and please uh, feel free to jump in here, guys, since you guys have a little more actual coding experience than I do. But uh, 
logging library um, that's basically one of the most popular open source libraries there is. Yep. Uh, it's a JavaScript library. It is used in just about everything. Because um, it was easy. Millions. Yeah. It, yeah, it's easy. Um, it's been around. It's stable. It works. It it sits there in the background logging things, uh, which uh, most people would think is benign. Little correction there. It, it was stable and it did work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, an important point indeed. Yeah. I was also, I also want to point out the other correction. It's Java, not JavaScript. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yes, true. thank that's you. That's right. JavaScript is even thank worse. You very much. So, yeah. yep. Thank you very much. No problem. So, yeah, I mean, it's just all over the place. And the big problem is, is that this gives folks the ability to execute code on your machine without having to log in. So, yeah. by um, basically just uh, posting remote messages, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yep. Not good. Yep. Uh, but there is a fix. No, uh, it's low hanging fruit. It's easy for anyone to use. Yeah. Well, there's many. Yes, there. There is. There is a fix, um, but uh, as with these sorts of things, there's multiple versions out there, and the fixes only work for certain versions. And, mm -hmm. of course, there are so many things that this is installed in. Not all of them are easy to update or even do people know that it's installed in things. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. My my favorite note here, we actually had this in the CyberWire today. Uh we wrote, uh, so how widespread is the Log4Shell vulnerability? It's literally interplanetary. Log4J is on the code aboard NASA's Ingenuity Mars probe, the one with the helicopter. Which just <laughs> crashed. <laughs> well, it just started logging uh, Bitcoin, so, or mining Bitcoin. Mining yeah. Bitcoin from Mars. Uh, yeah. and Indian Not just mining coin. the surface yes. of Mars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, this just comes back to the fact that this, this happens every so often. It's open source. It's an open source library. Everybody picks it up, and eventually mm -hmm. it either falls out of maintenance or somebody gets into it and puts in some bad code. Uh, there's a great XKCD uh, mm -hmm. comic called Dependency. I recommend everybody go check the show note for the links. Uh, but basically, there are millions of these libraries out there that nobody thinks about because they just kind of work, but they are just attack vectors for everything. I mean, <laughs> look at WordPress. I get, you know, notifications like a couple times a week that, okay, this library was, you know, penetrated this one, this one, this one, this one, because everybody's like, sees it like Image Magic. Image Magic was a huge one, still is a, a big one. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, once that thing gets breached, because they, they look for the ones that are installed everywhere, they try and attack that one, boom, they're in. It, just go, it goes on and on and on. And then what my whole point is, everybody forgets about it in a month. This is not mm. the first time. It will not be the last time. Everybody gets their panties in a bunch. This is a really big one. So their panties are really in a bunch right now. <laughs> but eventually they're going to forget about it and go back to business as usual. Well, it's just, as you point out, it's it's modern architecture now, and especially... All these libraries are everywhere. They were meant to make programmers' lives easier, and programmers use them because it's easier. And uh, there's also, you know, there's also the argument for standards, and it's great for standardization. But as you point out, if everybody builds on one little peg and something goes wrong with that peg, everything comes down. So, yeah, it's a big game of Jenga. So. Yeah, a lot of people also have been rightly making the point that. Um, there's this notion with open source software that it's more secure because so many people have their eyes on it. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like trickle down economics. In theory, it's supposed to work, but in actuality, right. which is more yeah. secure, the iPhone or the Android? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, evidently, this vulnerability was first uh, talked about back in Black Hat uh, 2016, I believe. Whoa. Um, and uh, it was researchers at Alibaba who first officially reported the vulnerability, and they did it in all the right ways using responsible disclosure. Um, but uh, the folks over at Cisco Talos, uh, among others, started seeing signs that the bad guys were on to this about nine days before the official announcement. So mm-hmm. seems as though there are some leaky channels or whatever. But well, um, an engineer in Alibaba saw his, uh, his opportunity for a zero day and probably sold it. Could be. Yeah, could it be. definitely but, could be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to not to sound very criminally or smarmy, but yeah. uh, that's your, a big it, one, and you can make a nice paycheck out of that if you if you know that it's going to get uh, disclosed and there's going to be that window of opportunity. You put it on the put it on the market and you know cash in before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, and everybody, of course, is getting hammered by this now. So, um, if you haven't already patched, do so. Good luck to you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> uh, are they sending up a USB stick to the Ingenuity probe to <laughs> have an update? Right, right. Well, and um, one thing uh, I think an interesting little bit that some I've seen some people saying is that if you go into your system and see that it's already been patched, follow up and make sure that it was you who patched it. <laughs> yeah. Because – yeah. A lot of the bad guys go in and they put in whatever they need and then they apply the patch once they're in. So just be extra careful with this one. It is it is a biggie. It's a bad one. And uh, it's easy to use. Yeah, definitely. Check your, uh, check your fingerprints on your software for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, did you guys talk about the Gloopdeba botnet? I, I, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. Gloopdeba? Sounds like your a guess delicious is as good dish. as mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, Speaking yeah. of, this has got to be some noodles and yeah. sauce and some stewed pork, meat. Pork, pork, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we have touched on it. I don't think we've spent a whole lot of time on it. I do remember the story coming by, but uh, mostly in passing. We've been busy with other things this week. You think? So. Really? Okay. <laughs> Well, this was, uh, I mean, this was, uh, had a million uh, Windows machines infected or devices. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about it is that they're worried that, like, Google got behind it and kind of, like, you know, put the kibosh on it, blah, blah. Same, same as usual. You know, everybody gets together, rallies the troops, and knocks it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing that I saw in here was uh, uh, this quote This action will have a significant impact on Gloop. Buzz operations, Shane Huntley, the director of Google's threat analysis group, said in a separate blog post. Although, however, the operators of Gloopdeba are likely to attempt to regain control of the botnet using a backup command and control mechanism that uses data encoded on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, that's a scary thought if they're going to start putting their command and control stuff on the blockchain, don't you think? Mm. That might be one of the downfalls of, of Bitcoin right there. Well, people have to start. People have to start blocking access to the blockchain because the botnets are on the blockchain. Using, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends on are they just putting the commands on the blockchain um, because it's immutable. It's a it's a convenient place to stick the commands where you know they will not be taken down because blockchain. Um, yeah, except for the fact it, that we learned last week that oh, you can edit a blockchain. Yes, thanks to <laughs> Crypto Slam. 
Um, they, but yeah, I mean, you could basically embed probably, you know, a key phrase with um, IP addresses, you know, to look for new yeah. machines. Well, so I mean, right. this has Things been like this has been kind of the worry about the blockchain from day one, right? People were up in arms going, they're going to put uh, pedo porn in the blockchain and it'll be there forever. And they have. So, yeah, it's there. It's yeah. there. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, they, there's all they're always trying to figure out ways to do command and control things that, mm-hmm. you know, go under the radar. We've seen Twitter. We've seen in-game chat use it. You know, yep. this is just another vector for them to use. But it's, hiding uh, it inside graphics files. Yeah, steganography, things like that. Yep. Technology yeah. is going to save the world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I just thought I thought that using uh, the blockchain as command and control, I just that was like, hmm, that's next level. Oh crap! Just an- it is clever. I guess uh, I wonder how is it that different from hanging it out in any other public in plain sight sort of place where they hide things. So other, I guess I mean there's there's the immutability of it, but. Um, you know, you could put it in a an image file that you put on Flickr. Um, yeah. Similarly, yeah, but you can block. You can block. You'd have to basically block access to the entire blockchain. But there are so many websites out there that have you know records of what happened on the blockchain that you can go search. So they would mm-hmm. have to like block all of those in the antivirus software to keep your machine from talking to them, and mm-hmm. you know block those IP blocks, block ports, things like that. It, it's that would be just a I think a killer whack a mole problem. And if you if you're a security expert, write in and tell me if I'm completely talking out of my ass. But it seems no, to no, me like that would be a hard problem. I think I'm following your your train of thought here, which is that um, it's you can't take down this infrastructure. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm with you now. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it is just basically a big spreadsheet. So, so yeah. you grab the <laughs> spreadsheet for one of your one of your keys. And say, okay, well, we found somebody to look at. Let's look for this IP block or, you know, some string to trigger something else. But mm-hmm. it's not going away. Botnet activate. <laughs> Closing shout outs. Over at Patreon, we've got ja- Jack. So, <laughs> this is my, this is my, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm dyslexic. I was like, Jack, Zoe, and Matt. It's Matt, Joe, and Zach. Mo. So, thanks, Mo, Mo, Zach, and, J- and Jack. Mo, Zach, and Jack. <laughs> Fuck! It's early. I got All hit right. in the head last weekend. It's, uh, whatever. Move on, please. Help me here. Throw thump, me a thump, fucking lifeline. Thump, thump, thump. Worms coming, Jason. Over at pa- on. over at PayPal, we've got Ralph, Mark, Jens, Miles, Sherry, Derek, Linda, Natalie, and Edward. And over at Stripe, over at Stripe, we've got John L, Jason S with the thirty dollars, woo, and Q, Andrew S, Jeff R, Linda M, and Theodore L. Maybe I just need the last initial to keep them in line. Maybe. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, and it's been a long time since we've had this. We've got a lot of dead people this week. None of yep. them were our fault. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, Masayuki Uemura, the creator of the NES and SES, SNES, has died at age 78. Good run. All right. yep. Also, Michael Nesmith, at the same age of 78, he kicked the bucket do, too. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and go listen to some Michael Nesmith songs and some monkeys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I still love the monkeys. I have yeah. them. They were good. They were good, even though most of them didn't play the instruments. But yep. it's good yep. stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. And sad for you, Anne Rice. Has yeah, I'm bummed out about that. I uh, love her early work very much so. And, uh, you know, she's just a very interesting person. And, and what a life she lived. 
pretty interesting. And uh, just a quick shout out to my uh, Toronto friends and family here. Uh, we lost a good friend of ours, Andrew, uh, yesterday. So we're all oh, kind I'm of sorry. reading from that right now. Yeah, well, it sucks. But you know. Very sorry. Yeah. And we did get an interesting voicemail from Matt that we will not be playing on the episodes ever. Uh, we could, but... No. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt might actually end up in the obituary section if we actually played these. He uh, might be heading there anyways from uh, the amount of slurring that was going on and the sheer <laughs> amount of alcohol that must have been consumed before those voicemails were made. I, I hope you're all right out there, Matt, and I'm sure that you bought out all the Advils. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope you're, hope you're recovering from that hangover because it's got to be a doozy. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. If you enjoyed the show, visit GOG.show slash donate to help us keep the lights on and we'll love you forever. You can also help us out by sharing the show with your friends and enemies. It's easy and absolutely free. Just look for that little share button. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 534. From there, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to our swag and Discord channel if you want to buy some stuff or chat with us and other show fans. You can also head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a snarky review and preferably five stars. Stay grumpy.